you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey guys, it's Roger from Restaurant Rockstars, and we just recorded an amazing episode on a recent dining experience that we had that you just have to listen to because there's many amazing takeaways. Uh, my wife, Thea, who is also the co-founder of Restaurant Rockstars, is once again joining me in this episode, but I made a big mistake. I forgot to plug in her microphone before we started recording. So you'll notice uh, a slight variance in the sound levels. I'm going to sound a little louder than she is, but don't tell her because, again, I made this big mistake. But she produces the podcast. Um, she's going to find out about it anyway. But we really do appreciate you listening um, if you have any ideas for a future podcast episode that you'd love to hear us or myself talk about, please drop me a line, roger, R-O-G-E-R, at restaurantrockstars.com. Love to hear from you and love to deliver the content uh, that you want to hear. And also, um, we're going to announce a couple of webinars, some free webinars coming up that are sure to make a difference in your business. So listen on. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. It's been a while, but once again, I've got my lovely wife, Thea, with me in the studio. Hey, Thea, how's it going? I'm great. Super psyched to be back. If this is your first time or you're not a regular listener, you should know that Thea is a co-founder of Restaurant Rockstars, and she's also behind the scenes handling a lot of our tech stuff. Right. You keep me behind the laptop. I know. Yeah, I know. You know, behind the scenes, it's not a bad place to be because you do all the stuff that I can't do. That's right. Anyone who's a regular listener knows that I am really big on service. And that's sort of a pet peeve of mine in so many um, times when we go out to eat or even in any regular business. You know, service is everything to me. And it's frustrating. You know, service really frustrates me sometimes. You don't say. I, I am saying right now. <laughs> You know, we had I an hear episode. An earful about that. What's that? I hear an earful about that a lot. Yeah, you do. We talk about this frequently. If you go back in the archives of the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, we did an episode number 122 where we interviewed Mr. Ian Maxick, who is really the guru of service. And I was really fascinated talking to Ian. And you'll remember this episode. Yeah, I mean, great. here's a, an old school guy, right? And at one time, he and his family ran the world's largest nightclub. And this still blows me away because they would serve 2,000 people for dinner on a given Saturday night and then put on this amazing entertainment show with the likes of, you know, Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra. And they started their business from like a hot dog stand and they turned it into this couple thousand seat nightclub. And Ian wrote this book that is titled very aptly, Service Stinks. <laughs> and it wasn't just about and it the. it often does. Oh, it often does. And we're going to get to that. But, you know, the book was really not just about restaurant and hospitality service. It was really about service anywhere in any kind of business. And we've had a number of experiences lately where service really stinks. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so big on this. If the takeaway is nothing else, it all comes down to training your staff. And if you don't train your staff, you can be sure that what they do and what they say can really, really hurt your business, you know, without effective training. And, you know, the customers walk in and they have certain expectations, don't they? Like we do. Everyone has really high expectations. And that's lost on a lot of operators. 
Oh, for sure. And sometimes you just want to be surprised, like pleasantly surprised. I don't always have service top of mind when I go out, but when you get great service, you recognize it. Well, that's the way things used to be. Now, I, I didn't grow up necessarily in that old gener old school generation, but you know that there was a time when, you know, at a gas station, they'd pump your gas for you. And while they were pumping your gas, they'd wash your windows and they'd yeah. put air in your tires and all that kind of stuff, right? And you'd go to a restaurant and there would be a maitre d' that would greet you and take your coat and seat you at a table and, you know, engage you in conversation. And to me, that's like the lost art of service. You know, the milkman would deliver bottles right to your door and all that kind of stuff. Like that service is so gone now. And, it's the and, same with flying. I mean. Oh, yeah. So Airlines. Much, it's yeah. Like, so much has changed. It's just, I don't know, we're fast paced. Everyone's distracted. It's just different. It is different. It's a different generation. The generational differences between, you know, the millennial generation today is different from our generation, is different from, you know, generation X and Y and everything in between. And just the cultural values and, and, and you know, how everything has changed. But that core word service and hospitality still really resonates for the majority of people in any kind of business. You want to feel like you are the most important customer wherever you go. And you want to be treated, even if the place is busy, you know, you want to feel like you're not just another member uh, of society walking through the door. You're somebody special, even if you're a first time visitor, like you're an old friend. Right. That's as basic as it gets. I mean, that to me, the definition of, well, the hospitality definition, you know, we've talked about this before. I learned a long time ago, you know, hospitality is, it's what it's all about. So do you want to talk about some of these experiences that sure. we've had? So... We live in a big food city now. We just, for those of you who don't know, we lived uh, in Sun Valley, Idaho for the last four years, and we just moved back to our home state of Maine, and we're thrilled to be back. Right. Portland is such an amazing city. So many restaurants. I think it was just voted. Yeah. I don't know. What magazine was that? I think maybe it, it was either top 10, number one. It was rated yeah. one of the top restaurant cities in the U.S. Right. And, and there are so many, so many restaurants. And you can find absolutely everything here, no matter what you're looking for. I mean, there are restaurants. And there are James Beard award-winning chefs in this city. And it's a really competitive restaurant town. You know, it's amazing. And, and, there... you, can, and you find out that you can't necessarily get into all of them if you don't have a reservation. Well, you know, that, that leads me... Friday. To what I'm thinking next. So, you know, there's some really, really strong operators that really get it in this town. And I just mentioned it's a really intense, competitive situation. Okay, but there are people that really, really get it. And they own numerous restaurants. And we've been to them numerous times. And the, and the experience is always consistent. The service is great. The ambiance is fantastic. The food is amazing. I mean, it's fresh. It's right off the boat. Whether it's a seafood place or whatever it is. And they really just sort of rock and roll. And even though there's thousands of restaurants in Portland, Maine, these three or four restaurants owned by this team just consistently is above the rest. And we went out the other night, and it was basically a birthday celebration, and it was a last-minute thing. And, of course, you need reservations in most places. But interestingly, many restaurants in Portland have sort of a walk-in policy where they do keep a few tables open for walk-ins. And we actually called this place maybe a half an hour before we planned on going out, asked that question. They said, yeah, we've got a bunch of walk-in tables, and if you get here in the next 15 minutes, you could probably sit down. But anything after that, and you know, take your chances because people are walking in all the time. 
we immediately left and walked down the street. Well, not immediately. We had another glass of wine. Oh, yeah. Was, it was really our fault because we didn't get there as quickly as we should have. But it wasn't long. Okay. But the point is, by the time we got there, it was an hour wait. Mm. So we went from, if you come now, you can probably be seated. But there in lies the rub in that we were out. We were dropping the kids at my parents. I wanted to have a glass of wine with them. I didn't want to rush the night and I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to say, sorry, we can't have a glass of wine with you because we have to race to this reservation. And that's one of those things with reservations, I find. They're great to have because you know you'll be seated, but then it's the structure. Then you have no leeway around the night to stop in here for a drink or do, you know, you know, you have to be somewhere and there's, you're trying to park and you're trying to get there because your reservation is at seven. So I'm always torn about wanting a reservation and wanting to just wing it. Do you mind if I get off track for a moment? Because you just triggered something really important. So we're talking about reservations and, you know, lots and lots and lots of, you know, restaurants take reservations and they have a reservation policy. And I always found that that was really, really inefficient when I ran restaurants because you're, you're making a key point, okay? We called. We could have had a table had we left right away and gotten there within 15 minutes. But then you just said we didn't want to rush and we were enjoying a glass of wine. And so many people make a reservation, but they're late for that reservation. And now they're throwing off the dining service in these restaurants because literally that table is sitting waiting for these people and they're not maximizing their table turns. And right. for us, when we ran restaurants, that was really important. It was all about serving as many guests as we could, giving them, you know, a really great, amazing dining experience when they were there. But we really wanted to turn our tables and serve as many people as possible because it was all about sales and profits while we gave great service. But the reservation thing just kind of throws that right out the window. Well, I think some restaurants have a strict reservation policy. If you're more than five minutes late, you lose it. And they need to. And that's really the only line of defense that you I mean, you'll you get some, I can imagine, in some of, especially the restaurants that are harder to get into, and someone has a parking issue and shows up five or ten minutes late and their table's gone, I'm sure that's a disaster. It's a customer service nightmare. It's a customer service nightmare, but... If you don't do that, and you then people are like, oh, we'll finish up here, or, you know. The, and the other issue with that is someone sends part of their table ahead to go sit down, but then they can't actually take the full order until the whole table's there. So that was also always an issue, and still remains an issue. A lot of places I've been have said, we'll seat you when your whole table arrives, because they don't want you taking up that much more time while two people sit and have a drink and wait for the rest of the table to come. Oh yeah, that's another pet peeve. 20 minutes later. Right, right. And so then that table was taken up, you know, by two people having a drink right. instead of 10 people eating their meal. So it's a, it's a hard balance but from you, a, from a customer perspective and a restaurant owner's perspective, right? Because you want to make sure you're in as a restaurant owner, you need to do what makes sense for your business. But you also, you're also a customer because obviously restaurant owners go out to eat all the time. So you know what it's like to be on the other side. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you have to find that balance. Well, even if you have that strict reservation policy of five minutes and you hold your customers to that five minutes, and let's just say that every reservation literally comes in within five minutes, that's still a hundred minutes of lost seating time if you've got 20 tables on the floor. So that's simple math where you're still not as efficient as you could be have, had you had this first come first serve policy like we always did. Right. You know? It also so, depends on the city and the time of restaurant because there's a lot of people sure. who wouldn't head into a place that wouldn't take reservations. If they didn't know they had a reservation because mm -hmm. they, like us, right. they didn't want to spend half the time walking around door to door. Okay, they're full. Now where should we go? Okay, they're full. 
and especially depending on weather, what you're wearing for shoes, it can be a big deal. So I also, you know, understand that some places that take reservations are able to fill up because people want to know they have a seat. Yeah, it really does work both ways. Interestingly, on our way to this restaurant that we're really eager to try, we passed, I don't know, 15 or 20 other restaurants on our way to this place. And you look in the windows and all these places were literally jamming. I know. Right? That's when we knew like, uh-oh. Yeah. Like if <laughs> this doesn't work, ourselves. what are we going to do? You know? And it's like, and then you had an issue with your hip where you were kind of limping down the street. Yeah, my hip was bothering me. And we really should have taken an Uber or a cab or something to this restaurant. But we decided to walk because this is a really cool part of town. It's called the Old Port in Portland, you know, down by the water. And there's lots of people watching and everybody's out and about. Cool stuff's happening. Yeah, walking around is, is half the fun. Yeah, and that, that is like the part of, you know, the restaurant scene in the Old Port. There's so many restaurants there. They're all over town, but, you know, a lot of cool restaurants are in the Old Port. So here we are, we're walking, we're passing all these places, they're all packed. So then we get to this restaurant that we were really eager to try, and it looked really cool from the outside, and we walked in, and the vibe was really cool well, on the inside. Well, you say it looked really cool from the outside, but the reality is, as... It was nondescript in a cool way. Yes, for a lot, for that whole series of restaurants, is that you, it, they obviously... Uh, get a lot of their business word of mouth. The reputation because precedes the reputation them. precedes them because when you walk by, yes, it was a cool door. When you realize it's a high-end restaurant, it's a cool door. Um, some of their other restaurants don't even have signs. Well, this and is I a fishing always, community, right? Yeah. Portland, Maine is big on lobster and the fishing industry is huge and we're literally, you know, steps from the docks, okay? So this place looked like an old fishing shack from the outside. Right. And it had I mean, just a really. small I mean, it was sign a big on the door. Building, but the door, especially, it's kind of down an alleyway. Yeah, yeah. And right. you're thinking, is this like the back door into a warehouse? But when you got closer, you realized it was really a cool, hip, rustic light and a cool yeah. door. And um, done on purpose to look. Yeah, like that. done on purpose to look that way. But easily, if you were from out of town and didn't know, you would walk right by it. And then you get inside, and of course the place is jamming. We'll follow the crowd because everyone we were following we were the crowd by, yeah. to the door, you know. Yeah, like people who knew where it was. We had around. an idea of where it was, but we, you know, followed the crowd and it led right to the door of this place. So we walked in, and the vibe was really cool, but it was jamming. The bar was jamming, and yeah. people were standing everywhere waiting for tables, and everybody was sitting there, you know, and having a great time, and you could tell the food was super fresh. And they had a big thing of ice. Yes. It was being made and dropped in and with fish all over it. Like, that's how fresh. Yeah, you know, that was so cool. Is. That was like a hook because, yeah. like you said, it was like an ice maker hanging from the ceiling that was dropping, dropping ice. shaved ice <laughs> into this giant bin of fresh, giant, really big fish, right? right. Yeah. And it was a seafood place. Like, that was really, really cool. So, so we, we can't speak to the food. No, the we're going we back. We never got a chance to go, but we'll go back. We'll, we'll make, make a reservation. reservation. <laughs> exactly. This one time. So, so unfortunately, what happened next? We had to leave because we didn't want to wait an hour, an hour and a half. Right. And we were on the time crunch because the kids, the kids. were being watched. And yeah. So we, and my hip was bothering me, so we didn't want to go too far. So we reverted to a restaurant we'd been to many times, but it was also higher-end seafood restaurant that was only like a block away. Yeah. Um, and it was, I don't know how to explain it. Even walking in, it had a different feeling like that. The first restaurant had all these really cool hooks and this really rustic, cool door. And the second restaurant, which again, we've been to several times, 
it's definitely high end um, and very cultured and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, modern. But it was like a hip modern place, but in the most though. vanilla of ways. Generic. Very generic. But you know, the like, word comes to mind, energy. It was lacking the energy it was. of yeah. the first place. The warmth and energy. The exactly. vibrancy. Exactly. It didn't have vibrancy. vibrancy. It was like mm -hmm. a high-end hotel, like a restaurant that could have been in a hotel anywhere. Yeah. And in that experience never changed the whole time we were there and there were plenty of people seated seated at tables and people were eating and stuff oh, it was and full. The staff we had was... to sit at the bar i mean right it was still a situation where this place was packed because you know it's a friday night and in town everything is busy so as and we were tired of walking so as soon as they said well you can eat if you want to sit at the bar we're like great but it was so underwhelming well it <laughs> wasn't the place that was really happening no, you I mean, know? it wasn't the evening that we expected it to but, be. We didn't expect to be seated at the bar. and But it wasn't yeah, the place where bizarre. everybody wanted to be because of that energy, because of that lack of vibrancy that we're talking about. And now we're talking about online reviews because I'm sure if you go to online reviews for that first place, you know, unbelievable online reviews and everybody's talking and the place has a buzz. And it's not like it's a new place. It's been around for four or five years. Right. But there's something about these three or four restaurants that this team runs where every one of them has that energy, that vibrancy. And they vibrancy. consistently have great reviews. And there's always going to be some. You can't please everyone all the time. Sure. Like when we mentioned we were going there, there's always someone that's like, well, I think it's a little loud or whatever. Or people will say that about certain places. Well, the serving size is small, but it's delicious. You know, everyone always has. But it dominates the competition. Oh, like sure. our flagship restaurant in Maine, you know, years and years ago, it just never lost that vibe, never lost that energy. It was always the place to go and it dominated the competition and everybody and else ate does. our dust. Yeah. Similar to Portland, Maine, where these restaurants are now elevated above thousands of restaurants and they're at the very upper echelon where everybody else is just, you know, an also ran. Yeah. You know, trying to keep up, trying to do what they, what's that magic dust? What are they to doing? You're going to on the podcast to see. Uh, oh yeah, right. What's the magic dust? And did dust? it start out of the gate that fast or did they have some growing pains in the beginning? But once they figured out their magic formula, even though their restaurants have um, very different food from one another, yeah. it's not like a steakhouse and then another steakhouse and then another steakhouse. I mean, the concepts are all very different. The feeling is the same and the food quality is the same. Well, you know what I learned recently? Uh, years ago, they opened, but they didn't even announce an opening. They didn't advertise it. They just let word of mouth and buzz on the street. And one day, they just randomly opened the doors because they really wanted to refine the systems, the concept, get, every, the, get the staff dialed in, get the food dialed in. So if five people walked in the door the very first night or the first six or seven nights, they just, you know, they were testing everything and getting it all refined. And then obviously that's when the buzz kicked in and people started saying, hey, that place is open. And then they started to fill up. It was like a soft opening without telling anybody you're opening. Well, which can be better because there's been some soft openings that were the beginning of the end. That's right. Because if you have yeah. a big soft opening and something goes wrong. I know. That's hard to come back from because I like the this buzz idea is better. already out. Yeah. yeah, I do too. I didn't realize they started that way. Yeah, which is which is kind of cool. So anyway, we ended up in this second place by default, and we sat at the bar. And I would say that our bartender was friendly and he friendly. was attentive. Yeah. But there was nothing magical about the experience. There was nothing special about it. 
I couldn't tell you anything about his personality. Right. Still to this day, I'm, I can't even remember what he looked like. Yeah. There was nothing dynamic or personable. He was just friendly. And the entrees weren't super, super expensive, but they certainly weren't inexpensive. I think most of them were in the $30 range. Right. You know, you got scallops, I think, that were... Thirty-seven, thirty-nine bucks, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's sort of, it's not the five-star upper echelon, but let's face it, when you go out and you've got 30 or $40 entrees, you have certain expectations about the entire experience. Right. The first one being that it will taste better than something I can make at home. That's a key point, because you then went on to make three meals in a row at home over the following weekend that just blew this place away. Yeah. You I know? On, I was on fire. Yeah, you was were a on fire. There. I mean, you could hold your own, but you're no, you know, you're no culinary masterpiece chef what? or anything. Not, <laughs> you're not a trained, you know. Train chef. No, but, you caught um, yourself. But yeah, I'm I not was dissing super, you. Anyway. Like my scallops were really great, but the veggies and everything else that came with it, I literally could have made. Well, we had a Brussels sprout, which I absolutely better. love. My favorite. Favorite vegetables, Brussels sprouts. And they're kind of trending. A lot they never used to be on menus that much and now they're sort of a really popular app or side dish and I've had them, you know, you can have Thai Brussels sprouts or different people use different sauces and, and whatnot, but shaved Brussels sprouts. These were the most boring I didn't even like I, I love Brussels sprouts, the ones we make here at home. I didn't even want to finish them. They were that blah. It's not that they were bad, they were just underwhelming just really blah and i thought yeah my 13 year old could have made these it just which is just so bizarre i mean the scallops were cooked to perfection and good although they could have used a cool sauce or or a drizzle of some kind there, really there was just there was nothing that took no. it to that next level no, and i feel true. like if you're going to spend upwards of 40 dollars for an entree and the Brussels sprouts we had to order on the side. They were a little you know, underdone, you know I mean? too. They yeah, were a little they were underdone. There was hard. no flavor profile. Like, there should be a wow factor. Again, it's either something I don't know how to do at home or something that leaves me with, oh, my gosh, I have to go home and recreate this. Yeah. It's so good. Right. And I left thinking, there's nothing they did here tonight that I even want to take home and, and work on or whatever. Well, let's get back to so the service. It was okay, but it was just... So, okay, strike one. Strike one, the ambiance was underwhelming. It's just sort of yeah. vanilla. And cold. It, <laughs> contemporary. That's the word I was looking for. It was kind of, and I love contemporary. Yeah, me too. But this was just a vanilla contemporary. Sure. So we walked in, and our very first um, impression, of course, is the host. And the person didn't welcome us or greet us in any way, simply told us, yep, you know, we said, do you have room for two? And he's like, our tables are full, but you can sit at the bar. And that was essentially it. And there's the bar. So, of course, we walked right past him and found a seat at the bar. But it wasn't, hey, how are you folks tonight? You know, no interaction, no chit chat, no making us feel like we're, you know, old friends, even though we might have never been in this restaurant before. So well, that was our first experience. Well, I think that's an easy experience. question for a host to ask. Have you been here before? Are right. you familiar? I know. That sort of thing. But that's just it. I mean, that's the very first... Okay, so I go down this road all the time, but there are so many impressions in restaurants, and every single one counts. And the first impression could be horrible, and it could be the last impression that that customer remembers. And then suddenly they're telling everybody they know, and they're all over social media because of that one impression. Even though thousands of things happened, or hundreds of things, when you're in that restaurant, that's the one that sticks in your mind. Right. And that's one thing that stuck in my mind. There was no greeting. There was no welcome. There's just, yep, our tables are full. There's the bar. Find a seat kind of thing. Right. Well, they were a little nicer. A than little that. nicer but than that. Still, but it, they weren't gregarious. No. They weren't 
Yeah. So now we're eating, and again, the bartender is serving us. And, you know, it's not like he ignored us in any way. And he nope. made sure that, you know, the check back, how is everything, folks, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we didn't complain about the Brussels sprouts. No or suggestions. I always just appreciate when I go out that they tell me a little bit about the restaurant, what their specialties are, ask me what am I in the mood for, you know, that sort of thing, and then recommend something. Yes. And then exactly. I just love that when they say, oh, you've got to try X and such, or oh, if this is what you love, you're going to love the blah, blah, blah. I love that because then I get it, and most often I do love it. But this was just sort of, here's the menu, what would you like? Well, there's you know, the order, order taker, taker mentality. And I talk about this too much because that is one of my hugest pet peeves because these people are, they're not giving you any kind of special experience. It's just an ordinary experience. They're doing the basics of the job. They're taking the order, you know, they're delivering the food and bringing the check at the end of the meal. They might check back and say, hey, how is everything? Can I get you anything else? They're asking those yes, no questions. And, and I hate that because that is just such average service. It's not... Well, I think that's you know, why when you always encourage people to hire for personality. That's right. Because I feel like if someone has a dynamic personality, you can teach them to be a great server. And you can teach them great sales skills and great customer service skills. But if you hire someone that doesn't have that dynamic personality, that's never going... You're not going to be able to teach that to them. So they may be able to serve the food, take the orders, they may be efficient, they may be clean and pleasant and, you know, all of those things. But if if they didn't bring sort of this dynamic um, personality to the table, it will never shine. Exactly. And so, again, this... Right. Um, Hire for personality. Friendly, but he was not... I mean, you didn't leave going, that guy was great. I don't think he was trained to be great. No. He might have been. You know, it's not like he was boring or anything. He, you know, his personality may have been wonderful. But again, he was never trained to go beyond the basics of the job to deliver what I call the magical journey experience. Pretend these customers have never been here before. Engage them in conversation. Ask them what their interests and their tastes are like. And then make recommendations, suggestions you know they're going to enjoy and appreciate. Well, and it also comes down to is someone an extrovert or an introvert. Not everybody really is a great conversationalist. So sometimes they want to take your order, bring the food, but they're a little shy to actually engage you in a real conversation. Mm -hmm. Sure. So. Anyway, so then what happened? I mean, we ate our meal. We didn't, we decided we wanted to go somewhere else for dessert because we had had enough of this experience. <laughs> yeah. He did ask us, do you guys want dessert? You know, again, it was that yes or no question, not let me tell you about these amazing desserts right. and my favorite is this and you're going to love that. And we've got, you know, we've got chocolate cheesecake and we've got, you know, raspberry blast and all this kind of stuff. They didn't do that. Well, and there was, and I often appreciate going somewhere else for like, yeah, just for a different ambiance, for a different ambiance. Right. But there was definitely nothing about this ambiance mm -hmm. or, or you the meal to stick that would have made me stay for another course. So we left and unfortunately then realized we were out of time anyway and never got to get dessert. But you know what? This experience kind of hung on to us for a couple of days where we were just really, really disappointed because the check for two people was well over $100 and we didn't get anything special. I feel special. like it went so fast. I feel like it zoomed in, one drink, one really subpar meal, $100 out the door. Without, I guess for me it goes back to that feeling. That I, I was excited to go out. It had been a little yeah, while, actually, since right. we'd been out because we've been boozy moving and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Or out on a date like that. And so I just, I guess, had some expectation around how excited I was and how I wanted to feel. And it was like chasing something that you never find. And I feel like 
that's how it was. Like we were headed out and chasing the feeling and the experience we were looking for. Right. And we just couldn't find it. So then you settle for this and it, it's like craving food and saying, well, I don't want to eat that, but you're never going to feel satisfied until you do. Like, I really want chocolate, but I'm not going to eat chocolate. Well, you're not going to feel good until you eat the chocolate. <laughs> so this is what that was. Like, I never felt good about it. And I think, so yeah, it was the conversation in the car and for actually several days after. Yeah, it was, was really a real bummer disappointment. Down. Yeah. And interestingly, we have a local sort of a magazine type television show that's uh, the local Portland, Maine area, or Maine in general, it's called 207, which is the area code of Maine. And they cover, you know, restaurants and culture and art galleries and just the scene of Maine. And I happened to turn it on last night for a few minutes. Actually, you called me over because you said, hey, you know, here's the owner of such and such restaurant. And all of a sudden it triggered such bad memories because a really close friend and I, a couple of years ago, dined in this restaurant. It's in the same or similar location yeah. to where we were dining. And in this case, the entrees were in the $50 to $60 range, you know? And absolutely, you would have even higher expectations. When you're paying 60 bucks for an entree, you have super expectations about the quality of the food and the quality of the service. And my friend and I were disappointed from start to finish years ago. And now here's the owner of this, and he's on TV, and he's cooking a tuna and steak. And he seemed to have passion for himself. Yes, yes, exactly. So I don't know if it's just that the staff or that maybe that was just a bad night it was the staff and the manager you yeah. you know what i even did I, I forget what episode this is but i i was so disappointed by this experience we did a podcast and this was years ago right after that experience and if you dig through the archives you'll probably come across it but, but i just remember watching him on that special he seemed to have a passion for it and seemed very personable and so I think there's something lost in translation between the owner and the staff, perhaps, or yeah. at least the staff members that you dealt with. And maybe now, years later, it's better. It could be. And again, but herein lies the rub. It's like you have a bad experience in a place, and now you're tainted, and you hesitate to go back because there's so many other choices. And if they didn't get it right the first time, and just make a mental note, if you're an owner or a manager, I mean, this is the way certain customers think. I read an article a long, long time ago when I was just getting into the restaurant business and it was entitled, I'm the customer who never returns because I'm just not the type that complains. You know, you can give me bad service and I'll take it and I'll pay my bill and I'll walk out and I'll just tell everyone I know about that bad experience and I'll never go back. And I read that to my staff year after year after year because it so resonated with me and it became such a part of the culture of our restaurant and the kind of service we wanted to deliver. And in this particular restaurant years ago, it wasn't just the service staff. We were ignored at the bar. We had a bad experience while we waited for a table. We sat at the bar and had drinks. Bad experience by a bartender who couldn't be bothered to take our orders, you know, and to get what we really wanted. So that was our first impression. Then we went to a table and the server, you know, botched a bunch of stuff. And then we asked for a manager and the manager was literally just standing at the bar chit-chatting with somebody else a bartender, just somebody, and we literally waited probably 12 or 15 minutes before that manager even took her time to come over and talk to us. And I'll never forget that experience. And you'll never go back. And I'll never go back. And now here's here's the guy on TV talking about his, you know, his restaurant. So we can transition from restaurants. I think that the message has gotten across, but we've had bad experiences recently in big box stores. 
you know, and you'd think that these stores would have training programs in place where, you know, they, they treat every customer that they're important and they want to solve your problems and they want to help you because a lot of people are do-it-yourselfers like us with certain projects. We need the help. We need the advice. We need you to point us out to where we can find this thing. We want to be served in an efficient manner. And we were making shelves for our daughter's room. Right. So we've just moved into a new house. Yes. We're moving, so we're putting up, you know, putting up shelves and doing various things. And there was a huge, we went to two different big box stores. And there was such a huge difference, I think, mostly in the culture of the staff. You could tell there was a significant difference in the training that these staff members had had. One, uh, they were sort of disinterested and would point you maybe in the direction. The other, they were, again, friendly, gregarious, and would walk you right over and help you find what you needed. It was stunning how the difference in service. I needed to get long, long boards cut into certain specific lengths to make these shelves. And by the time we found the boards that we needed and I loaded them on the cart and I wheeled them over to the guy who literally does the cutting, there were two other people in front of me, which is fine. I'm happy to wait my turn because they needed their wood cut as well. So this guy cuts their wood, and that probably took 10 minutes before he cut the first person's wood, and then he goes on to the second person, and I was third in line. And then just when it's my turn, you know, somebody else calls him away, and the guy's like, I'll be right back. And I watch him walk all the way down the aisle, and now I'm waiting there. And would you believe it was 15 more minutes before the guy, I watched it on my watch, 15 minutes before he actually came back to me to cut my wood. He didn't call another associate over saying, hey, this guy's waiting. Would you come cut the wood? No. He kept me waiting 15 minutes. And then when I gave him very specific and very simple instructions on, okay, this is a 12-foot board, and I need it cut you know, into four, three-foot lengths, he miscuts the board, okay? And I look at it and I'm like, that's not right. It was supposed to be, you know. Right. Which can happen. We had that happen two days in a row at two different big box stores. This is true. This is true. So measure now, twice, cut once. But now I've got to go back around two or three aisles, go get another board, and bring it back to the guy. And now there's another customer waiting in front of me. And now he's cutting their wood. So it's like... And I wanted to get to a movie. Remember that new yeah. movie, First Man, on Neil Armstrong came out. And I had a deadline to get to the theater on time because I was dying to see this movie. But getting this was important because we were going to do the project that night. And he killed like all this time. And I, bare I just made it to the movie. But I was so frustrated. And that's you know, my experience. That brings up another great point, Back looping back to restaurants. I think it's always great, especially in a city, um, or actually anywhere, I guess, to ask people as soon as they see, are they on a time schedule? Because just mm -hmm. like that, yes. you may be like we were out wanting sort of a nice romantic higher end Great meal point. and wanting like time to stretch. Uh -huh. Like I wanted that experience to feel like it was three hours long. Yes. But if you're trying to get to a movie, you want a great meal, but you also have a comedy show to get to or a show, mm -hmm. a movie or For whatever sure. the case is. Um, I think it's really important to check so that you know how your table wants time to feel. That's a great point. So it wasn't just the lumber guy, you know, it wasn't the guy cutting the wood. You had some experiences too. Was it at the checkout counter or it was the chain you bought or the screws you bought? Something no, actually, else happened. that was a great experience. That was that, good. I, well, I, I mean, I did have um, one lady that was just sort of pointing and she, she was just, I'm, I'm not sure what was going on with her, but um, the gentleman that helped us with, you know, we had these 
shelving units that we needed to hang that needed multiple different kinds of screws and you needed to make sure the screw would get through the board and the sheetrock and the get to the stud and anyway so he took I bet he took 15 or 20 minutes helping us figure out exactly which screws how many we needed I mean it was a little bit complicated and it was just fantastic to have that hand holding yes of knowing that we weren't going to get 20 minutes or 30 minutes home to realize we had the wrong screws. I mean, he went out of his way to ensure that based on what we were doing, we had all the right hardware, which was phenomenal because how many times have you gotten somewhere? He was very good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and that was the difference between someone saying, go to aisle eight where yeah. the screws are. Yes. And here, let me walk you. He let needed me pull to. my tape measure right. out. Let me see what you're doing. Right. And let me make sure that you have everything you need. So clearly that's the type of service we're talking about where he really stood out. And then once again, I think we went back a couple more days to one of those two big box stores and we needed to get fencing for the yard. And it was a rainy, cold, raw day. And we were out in the middle of the garden center because somebody pointed, hey, where's the, you know, the fencing and the posts? And they're like, they point, yep, it's out in the garden center. So we go out there and now we're walking in the rain. We're out in the garden center. We're going row after row after row, looking, getting wet, getting cold. And then when we get there, we realized that they didn't have the sizes of the posts that we needed. And they only had one roll of the black fencing that we wanted, but we needed two more rolls and all this kind of stuff. So then you suggested, hey, why don't you go inside and get somebody out here to see if they have any more in stock somewhere. So I go inside. I walk back across the garden center in the rain. I go inside to customer service and I ask them, can you send somebody out to the garden center right away? Because it's raining and my wife's standing out there. And we waited for 10 minutes and nobody showed up and we're out in the rain. So, of course, we bagged, scratched that, you know, inside we go. And who knows if somebody actually ever went out there to see what we needed. Well, and the, yeah, well, they probably did. They found our cart sitting right there. Exactly. Um, and I usually do return my carts. But another example is somebody saying, go to aisle five or whatever, or saying, if we say, do you have any more of these? Like, there's only two and we need three. And they say, nope, what we have is there. And that's it. Versus the other guy who said, no, but we can order anything you need and it will be here in 24 hours and you can pick it up for free at whichever store. Yeah. It's just that, you know, it's that customer service difference. God, customer uh, service. People can be bothered or not. Right. Restaurants big box stores, anywhere. It's it's just not enough today to, to rely on the fact that customers are going to keep coming back and that there's an endless stream of customers out there that you're going to serve. That is going to disappear very quickly because there's not. And you need to treat every customer with amazing service. And you need to train every member of your staff that interacts with any customer in these finer arts of service. And just the little nuances you're talking about. Go above and beyond to please the customer and over deliver on what they're looking for. And that's what's gonna build loyalty, that word affinity I use all the time. Otherwise, you're just losing your customers to the competition. Right, I think it could be a good team building exercise. Mm -hmm. You know, as you bring everyone together and just say, okay, who has an idea, where could we go above and beyond? What could we do? You know, I think about that even when we have house guests, yeah, right? It's like, right. should I get a mini fridge for the guest room? The little should touches. I get, you know, like, Those little something extras. How are they going to want to, you know, where are they going to put their clothes? Should I get a sound machine so that they have, you know, sound privacy and that sort of thing? I feel like I get excited thinking of those things. How can I make that person's experience better? So I think if you have employees that are excited about where they work, and you have a manager and an owner who really care, then you pool all those people's thoughts and ideas oh, together, yes. 
right. and they could probably come up with fantastic ways to go above and beyond. Like, what could we do differently? How could we do it better than anyone's doing? How are we currently, you know, even take, you know, every single thing they do and, okay, let's look at that. Let's look at the seating. Let's look at how we greet our customer. What else could we do? What else could we say? Uh, whatever. How could we make it better? And then the seating of the person and the bringing of the what, like in every uh, part of that journey, there's a place it could be better. Well, that was a regular part of our pre-shift training when we had restaurants. We talked about this regularly and we role played and we asked and we involved our staff. And, you know, we just had this philosophy, lead by example, develop your team, nurture your team, recognize them, reward them, delegate and give them, you know, responsibility and then get out of their way and watch them shine. Right. And their personality. Yeah. We had, it reminds me of the other day I was at Whole Foods with the kids and they're, um, one of the guys that was checking us out, you know, they put like the uh, rubber bands on your salad or whatever, yeah. your blueberries so that they don't spill. Uh -huh. And he does like, he looks down at the girls and then he does this like thing with his hands, making this like double star thing with the, and then zips it on sort of, it's not a magic trick, but it was obviously his trick. And the kids were just, you know, wide eyed about it and so excited. And I thought, that was exactly that. Like that was a, oh, yeah. I've been there how many times? And mm -hmm. I can't tell you um, often of a particularly interesting checkout or whatever, right. but that left right. us with a different feeling. You got to like, encourage that. The kids that. were like then taking all the rubber bands off mm -hmm. of everything and mm -hmm. trying to do things with, awesome. you know, trying to duplicate it. But, and he was just smiling and you could tell he was having a great time. And then I was there again yesterday and I saw him out in the parking lot. And again, he made a point, not because he remembered me, I'm sure he didn't, but of asking how I was and, and that sort of thing, because you can just tell that's who he is. Definitely. So again, you got to encourage that in your staff. It was all about, you know, educating, informing and entertaining each and every customer and training that staff to let their personality shine. Because again, the restaurant business is entertainment. It's showbiz and that's what it's all about. And just being mindful of the mm. customers, what they're looking for in an experience, how you want them to feel, how they expect to feel after their meal. Um, and whether they're on a time crunch or not. Cool. I, mean, I think all of those things are super important. Yeah. Anything else you want to chat about? Well, we have a couple of webinars that we're doing. You're doing some free training. Yes, that's exactly right. How so we have two. A wildly yeah, that's the first one. How to start and run a wildly successful restaurant. I'm giving away my three secrets of incredible success on well, how to do just that. Yep. And then the newest one you're doing is, what's, what's the title of it? It's called How to Build Your Dream Team, Double Sales, and Get Rave Reviews. Awesome. And right now that's in the announcement bar on our homepage. Exactly. Yeah, so head on over to restaurantrockstars.com and the announcement bar at the top of the homepage. And you can click on that and watch the webinar, free webinar. And it'll give you some great, great tips on how to deliver amazing service and avoid some of the little... Nightmare stories we told today. <laughs> right, right. And other than that, I think we're going to, I think, maybe release some snippets of that for people to hear in future episodes. Yeah. Because it's got just such great content in it, um, a lot of great takeaways. And, yeah, we still have, we're still offering a um, bundle on the digital Rocky Restaurant book, the digital version, and the audio book are now only nineteen ninety five for both. And that includes 
immediate access to download all those pre-formatted spreadsheets. Yeah, with the audio tutorials. also have audio tutorials with them. It's like amazing content. It's a crash course in restaurant finance if you hate the numbers. Yeah. But you got to take inventory. You got to know your food, your beverage, your labor costs, your daily break even. I mean, it's every important, you know, financial exercise you need to do. And once you master it, it'll literally take you minutes a week. But so many people avoid this because they just hate the numbers. Well, I hate the numbers. I make it simple. I really do. I hate it. But I tell you when I, like I do some of the numbers for our business. And although I find it oh so tedious to do, I love when I have it. And then I have the big picture. Yeah, the data. So I don't love getting it, but I love the empowerment of having it. Mm -hmm. So I go through it. Um, And I think that's when you work in the systems, right? Because it's the hardest the first time. Like the first time you have to set up your inventory or the first time you have to really set up some of the spreadsheets. But that's why you've pre-formatted them and made them super easy. So people aren't starting from scratch. It's plug and play. And then it gets easier and easier and easier. And pretty soon it's second nature. It's like making your bed. It's like this is just what I do. I brush my teeth. I make my bed. I, you know, at the restaurants you're like you do inventory on such and such a day. And the expectation is there. And then you have all of this information to make decisions with. And pretty soon, you're more profitable. And it's empowering to have that information and to feel like you've mastered that part of your business that's so critical to either success or failure in a high-risk business. Right. So So, anyway, so yeah, so that bundle Mm -hmm. is still there. And people can find that on our website too, Rocky Restaurant Book. Yeah, I think that's it. Thanks for having me back. Oh, God, that was fun. I'm going to have you back again. You are? Yeah. I'll see if I can fit it in. We won't, we won't keep you in the back, of, <laughs> the back of the house where no one knows you're there. <laughs> we'll bring you back. That's all right. Well, great, guys. That's the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and we'll see you again. Bye, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'm hoping you found some really powerful takeaways on service for your own operation and that you didn't find the sound quality too off-putting because, once again, I forgot to plug in Thea's microphone. We did announce in the episode that we're running some free webinars coming up, really powerful stuff. If you're just starting a brand new restaurant or you recently opened a place, Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed or you're in the weeds and you just know you're missing some important pieces. You got to check this out. The webinar is called How to Start and Run a Wildly Successful Restaurant. I'm going to be sharing three secrets that, believe me, will absolutely make all the difference for great success in this business. I'm going to be teaching you how to know and review your critical restaurant numbers in just 10 minutes per week. Even if you hate the numbers, I make it super simple. How to build a dream team staff and double sales through empowerment, recognition, and rewards. I'm going to be giving you a roadmap to the foundation of every successful business and how to drive new and repeat business while building strong customer loyalty to your restaurant. It's all about satisfied, loyal customers, getting them to come back and tell their friends. To register for this free webinar, just head on over to this URL. It's restaurantrockstars.com forward slash wildly successful. The next webinar is called How to Build Your Dream Team, Double Sales, and Get Rave Reviews. I'm going to show you how the common approach to restaurant hiring is the wrong approach. So don't make this mistake, folks. You got to watch to find out the right way. How to build your dream team staff, cut turnover, and empower your team to think like owners. Again, your staff and how you train them makes all the difference. And finally, how to double sales through training, recognition, and rewards. Who doesn't want to double their sales? The URL for this webinar is restaurantrockstars.com forward slash 
dream team. You know, I've been in the restaurant business a long, long time, but I've only been at this podcast stuff for, you know, a number of episodes, and I'm really still learning how to do it and how to get everything right. And I've come to realize that reviews are all important to uh, have other restaurant owners and managers find it. And if you're finding the content and information on our podcast helpful and informative and you're enjoying it, we'd really appreciate it if you head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Also, again, if you have any ideas for an exciting topic or something you'd really like us to talk about in this uh, episode, or in another episode, I should say, of the podcast, why don't you drop me an email? Send it to roger, R-O-G-E-R, at restaurantrockstars.com. We definitely want to keep delivering the content that you want to hear that will help you rock your restaurant. And we'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. And while you're there, download a copy of the book, Rock Your Restaurant. It's a game changer. See you next time.